you have to get it out. You have to just talk about it. Doesn't mean that you have to go relive every aspect of it, but to acknowledge that it has happened, process maybe where you think it came from and allow the emotions to come out. Allow yourself to feel those feelings so that you can work through them. Hey, I'm Regina Marie. I started this podcast to share with other survivors what has helped me heal from my untold stories about surviving my past abusive relationships. And since abuse knows no gender, age, race, or religion, allow this to become your roadmap to start healing from your abusive trauma today. You want to know it's beautiful? Seeing your self-love grow right in front of your gorgeous face. And pretty soon, you'll be saying things like, but remaining loyal to you after you mistreat me is called trauma bonding. And that's not what I'm doing anymore. Welcome back to my Healing Village podcast, episode 25. In honor of Veterans Day, I have my sister on who is my favorite veteran. I have also had the absolute pleasure, and I don't think that this is at all by mistake. I think it's by divine design that the military has been so involved and intertwined in almost every aspect of my life since I've been growing up. I've had my sister be involved with the military. I fell in backwards to higher education as a career, and I worked in the military division because the one who referred me is a veteran and got me in with his group of people. And so since then, in every position or company that I've worked for within higher education, I've worked for the military division in that company, or I've been the designated military veteran person that they come to because I know the benefits. I know how it all works. I know what it means. I know what the caps are for the tuitions. I know all the rules. I know the terminology. I know the acronyms. So it's just been one thing after another. And of course, the military has always been near and dear to my heart as something that I've always personally wanted to join, but waiting for not the right time, but waiting for when it makes most sense for me with kids, the divorce, timing, house, income, all of the things. So making it make sense. But thank you to all of our veterans. Now, today's episode, I'm going to go over some ways that we can give back to our veterans, right? There are so many organizations out there. There's actually over 45,000 organizations that claim that they're military friendly, or they give back, or a certain percentage goes back to the veterans, or anything like that. And you really honestly, truly don't know who's lying, right? We really just don't. I mean, they can say that. Anyone can say that, but who's really auditing their files to see if the 10% of my $80 purchase is going towards Wounded Warriors or something, right? Like, we don't know. I have written down some trusted organizations that if you're interested in actually finding ways to give back this month, especially since it is Thanksgiving and veterans, I think it goes hand in hand. But here are some ways that you can help veterans and give back. So Wounded Warrior Project probably my most favorite and near and dear to heart. If you're not familiar with them, probably the most well-known organization. So Wounded Warrior Project, look them up. There's also one called Cars Helping Veterans. If you have a car that you would like to donate, or you know maybe it's on its last wheels and they can spruce it up, put some new wheels on it, check the transmission, whatever. It's veterans who need cars. There's one that's called DAV, D-A-V. It's Disabled American Veterans Charity. There's canines for warriors, which pairing them up with dogs. That one I really think is underestimated. There's a site you can donate at honoringallthesacrifices.com. 
There's also some foundations. So these are organizations for veterans, their families, maybe the children, if maybe a family member has passed, anything like that. So there's the Fisher House Foundation that provides free housing. There's Operation Care and Comfort, Operation Gratitude. Really like both of those. The Semper Fi Fund as probably the most well-known fund raved about at every Marine Ball and then everyone is, it's for all the branches. There's also USO, United Service Organizations. There's Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, also known as TAPS, T-A-P-S. And then this one I found, first time I've ever heard of it, it's called Given Hour. And I believe it's for those who are in the mental behavioral field that can be a resource for a veteran who's suffering, who may not have the funds to attend therapy or something that costs money. And so this is where you give an hour of your time. That's amazing. So I love that they do that because I think that's one of the biggest problems that veterans face right now is not really having the resources or funding to get the mental behavioral services that they so desire and crave and really need. There's actually a lady here that I'm hoping to work for once I get licensed, and she specifically works for veterans and first responders. I ran into her, and this is where it becomes divine design again. I was at a kid's discounted clothing store, and she was standing right behind me, and her and her mom were just chit-chatting. You could tell they had, like, her mom had a thick New York Bronx accent, and all of a sudden, I just, you know, being the talker, I am turn around, engage in conversation. And then she starts talking about what she does. I talk about what I'm going to school for. This is like two years ago when we remained in contact and she's like, I need you. I need exactly you. It's beautiful that paths cross for a reason. And if you're able to find where it is that tugs at your heartstrings for veterans, like for me, it hits home because my sister's one and I've dated military. Honestly, let me just put this out there because my friends... We'll be like, Regina, you have a type. Here's the thing. I started talking to these guys and I had no idea they were military. I mean, if I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea they were military before I started talking to them. And then I find out, oh, you're a Marine. Oh, you're a Marine. Oh, you're a Marine. I'm like, okay, there's a problem. It's emotional unavailability, which reflects my emotional unavailability. So, you know, as long as you know it, that's where you start. That's where you start. There's also another website for an organization called soldiersangels.org. It provides aid, comfort, and resources to military and their families. There's also the philadelphiacitizen.org. There's morganstanley.com using philanthropy to give back to veterans. So you guys, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. You could start a food drive. You can give them gifts. You can donate old items. My kids and I, every Veterans Day, will make hand cards. I should have had a picture. I'll have to find it and I'll post it on Instagram or I'll just do one for this year, but they typically will paint their hand kind of the camo colors and then we'll put it on there and we'll make like a United States flag out of it. And then we bake cookies and we drop them off at the VAs that are nearest to the home. And we'll drop off a few of them and then pictures to hang thanking them for their service. So anything small that you can start just teaching your children that this is important and to understand the sacrifices that they make. Because while these veterans have not passed, that would put them towards more of the Memorial Day. But for our veterans that are still alive today, it's important to recognize the sacrifices they have made and that they continue to make. I was looking through all the combat fitness tests for each branch, and they're nuts. 
Some of them have definitely been improved because they were kind of a little easier, I think, than they should have been. But some of these include mile and a half run, push-ups, hand release push-ups, sit-ups, cross-legged reverse crunches, planks, forearm planks, pull-ups, and then you have just all these different kinds of things that they have to do in a capped amount of time. They have to remain a sort of physical capability to do that, to remain in the military. And if they were having to have gotten injured or are disabled, they're not able to perform. And so this is where when they don't meet the ready for duty fitness physical assessment, that can be really demoralizing. Sometimes the military is the only path that they have to go down. Sometimes this is it for them. They don't think that there's anything else out there that they would like to do. And having written so many papers and done so much research on all of this, I was looking at one of my old papers that I wrote for one of my classes. And we were talking about even stemming back. And I know my sister kind of touched on this, but stemming back to their childhood. So I'm a firm believer that the relationship with their caregiver from early infancy to teenage years impacts everything else that they may be experiencing or would be coming to see their clinician for. It's stemming from that. Even as veterans who've been in a war zone, even if they're jarhead and they didn't really experience much out there and they were just in a desert for 18 months, I mean, anything can really just be like, you guys, it can impact them. So for example, if our veterans are suffering from depression or low self-worth or suicidal thoughts, perfectionism, anxiety, where does all of that stem from? How far back does it go? And more than likely, it stems from the relationship they had with their parents or their caregivers, the experiences they witnessed and what they learned about love is what taught them how to love as an adult, how to love themselves, how to love their peers, how to love their leaders. And what love to accept in return, because we accept the love that we think and we feel we deserve. And I had asked a Marine I used to work with back at one of the for-profit universities I worked for 20 years ago, 18 years ago. I asked him if he would come on the show. And I was like, you know, let's talk about it. He's a Marine. And I said, let's talk. About it. He was only in, I believe, for four years. And he was active duty four years. And then he got out. He has a doctorate now. His wife has a doctorate. I mean, they're a beautiful family. And... He said, fortunately, I don't have much trauma. And I went into the military business and financial security, things like that. And in my head, initially, and this is where maybe as a clinician, I don't want to say that I'm jaded, but initially I'm just like, mm, denial. Immediately, just a little bit of denial, a little bit. I haven't known one Marine specifically that hasn't suffered some trauma. Like my sister said, Marines have something to prove. Why would you go through hell? Like, if that was for financial security reasons, you go in the Air Force, right? That's the business side of things. If you went into that, you went to go in there to prove something to yourself, to prove it to others. And so that can stem from some things that maybe he's already worked through. Maybe it's something that he has suppressed so far down that he doesn't even want to stir. Maybe he's like, you know what? That is what it is. I have come from it and I don't even want to look back. Could be. He hasn't really necessarily dealt with it, but he's just completely suppressing it. So that's where we kind of turn into where when I had Kevin Patterson on, we were talking about some shadow work, right? It's that relatively new term that involves healing inner childhood trauma wounds, specifically from our caregivers and unlearning old abusive or toxic behaviors and learning how to truly accept and love ourselves. And so for all of my veterans, you know, once you get to a point where you're able to open up that proverbial can of worms, you'll be able to sort through these feelings and you'll be able to give those feelings names and then you can work through those emotional wounds one at a time. And I know it can be scary to open that up 
when you're just trying to move past it. But that's not how you're going to work through it. You're literally just ignoring the problem. You're not patching it up. You're not actually stopping the bleeding. I mean, you're just putting gauze on it and hoping for the best. It will help you understand why you've done what you've done. Where did that grit come from? Because anyone who's in the military, I highly respect just the mental strength that you had to have to even make it through basic. And then to go through continuously, let's say through deployments or being away from your children or watching a battle buddy pass away in your arms. I hear all the stories. My grandpa's told me all the stories. Who's a vet as well. And he passed away in 2004, suffered from Alzheimer's. And shadow work is learning and understanding all of your insecurities, your perceived negative traits, and bringing up the repressed traumas. And I know, like, again, this can be scary for veterans to do because you just feel like you want to move past it. But I strongly encourage you, if you are experiencing that and you can just sense that I'm not able to connect with my family or I'm just not understanding these people or we're just on different wavelengths. Since I came back, I had dated a guy for just over a year. Amazing man. Amazing man. He really was. Still is. He just had a lot of unresolved trauma. He was a Marine. Again, didn't know he was a Marine when I first started talking to him. Didn't know. And what I found, he's not the typical Marine. I mean, he's strong, buff. He's all those things. He's not the typical Marine. Like He's not the alpha. He's definitely the wolf at the very end of the line. He makes sure everyone else is taken care of. He was that personality type. And so it was different. I was drawn to it a little differently. And I recognized that that mentality was actually my mom's caregiver type of personality, where she was in the back making sure everyone else is taken care of before her. And I went from one extreme to the next. So it was different. But for him specifically, there was a lot of trauma. And he even told me, I wish you had met me before I deployed. I wish you had met me before. And I think he deployed three times. And his sister would even say that he came back different after the first time. And then every time thereafter, he just became more recluse and imploded and just kept to himself. And he was really introverted when it came to that. And no matter what I tried working through, I mean, I had him, he helped me out on a couple assignments for school where I had to give like mock sessions and they would only be like 10 minutes, but the topics would be like deep topics. And I'm like, okay, this, I need more than 10 minutes to talk about with suicide ideation. This is not something you just talk about willy nilly, but we had to kind of get deep. I had to see how deep I could get with him in that amount of time. And I think we were maybe three and a half, four minutes in. And I remember him stopping and he just put his arms on the armrests and he said, Whew. he just like had a big exhale. And he said, I haven't talked about this in ever. And he's like, you got to give me a minute. And that right there, I was like, bingo. These are things that need to be talked about because he's storing it, right? The body keeps score. If you haven't read that book, you have to get it out. You have to just talk about it. Doesn't mean that you have to go relive every aspect of it, but to acknowledge that it has happened process maybe where you think it came from and allow the emotions to come out. Allow yourself to feel those feelings so that you can work through them. Because I mean, we're talking about something that he's been holding on to for 15 years. I think he was three years older than me. So he had been in the military for a while. There's a lot of that. And then he actually was a disc over for the district for injured Marines over in this 
area for Missouri, Illinois, Arkansas. There's only like 12 to 15 discs in the Marines, in the entire Marines. They're a very limited number. And he was one of the discs. And he would connect me with some vets that he would work with that were suffering from addictions or would be homeless or would keep calling and needing support, needing help. And there was one that I connected with. His name is Will. So Will, I'm going to send this to you because you have left a great impression on my heart too. And you are such a riot and you're <laughs> have the filthiest mouth I've ever heard, but you are such a genuine and authentic person. I haven't met anyone in the military who's not genuine and authentic. Any veteran that I ran into working at work, I actually just got assigned yesterday to be the military point person for my organization. So to say that I don't even talk about how much I love the military would be an understatement because I ooze love and respect. And if there's ways that you guys want to try to give back and reach out, they're willing to accept help more than they are willing to ask for it. And that's where we have to come in knowing, hey, you've got this. You are strong. You're impenetrable almost, right? I mean, you're invincible. You're a badass. But there are some things and skills that I have that can help you. Just like you have skills that have helped us and our country. I can't do what you do. And it's kind of just taking that perspective of I'm here to help where I can. And if I can help you by sending you a care package of lotions and deodorants and gummy worms and I don't know, any electronics that would be helpful or anything like that. Or if they had gift cards for therapists, like here's two sessions for therapy for EMDR or brain spotting or anything like that. That's where we want to be able to help them because they've done so much. They've done so much. Try not to get emotional. I love my military. Now, my sister's very outspoken, so she may not be the typical veteran. She's very transparent, very outspoken, but a lot of them can be reserved about a lot of things just because they don't want people thinking of them any less because their respect means a lot to them. They associate the more vulnerable I am and the more I expose these parts of my past or these parts of myself, then you'll have less respect for me. And that's not the case. That is a cognitive distortion and that is a fear that they have. I believe that that stems back to regarding the relationship between their parents or between them and their parents that has directly impacted their attachment style, which goes back to someone else I had on the podcast. There's secure, anxious, and avoidant. As an adult, you can change it. You're not stuck in this attachment style, but what you are typically as an adult before you realize that that's what you are, it stemmed from how your survival techniques and tactics were as a child and what kind of resiliency we're building to move forward. And it also is a pretty good indicator of what branch you end up going into. For example, I would say once you're starting to understand those with a secure attachment style, they recall their upbringing with their caregivers as warm and caring. You're not going to find many people in the military, especially those in boot camp, like right out of high school, or you know they're going into the military for the first time. You're not going to see that as much. You're not, because they would have then found another path more than likely for their life. Now, those with insecure attachment styles, anxious and avoidant, they recall their upbringing with their caregivers as controlling and conflicted. And this means that attachment styles learned during this time in their life is also what's seen in their romantic relationships, which also impacts their love experiences, which also then impacts their marriages. It impacts their relationship with their kids. And then the generational trauma continues when their children are raised with 
that type of attachment style from their caregiver. And then it just continues to go forward as the child now having that anxious attachment or avoidant attachment. Typically, I would say, from my experience and who I know in the military for Marines, Navy, Coast Guard, Air Force, Army, that Marines, Navy, maybe not Navy, more so Marines, but I know there's the sister branch, right? The brother branch, (laughs) the manly branch. So I would say the Marines and Army are more so avoidant attachment styles, if I were to kind of categorize it. I would say of all of them, Air Force might be the most secure, but it's definitely anxious. Definitely an anxious. They want the approval. They want to seek the perfectionism. They want to have that. It's interesting. And then Coast Guard, love you guys so much. I would say also anxious. You guys just are full of love. All of our lovely veterans who, when you see them as they are today, I want you to see them as the heroes that they are. I want you to see them as who they stand for, what they've accomplished, what they're continuing to sacrifice every day. Everyone in Okinawa, everyone in Germany, everyone that's stationed, that's away from their family. Sometimes their families are with them, and that's not as bad, but sometimes they're stationed away from their kids. Can you imagine two years, three, four years away from your kids, only getting to see them for one to two weeks a year, if that? I wouldn't be able to do it. telling you, I would not be able to do it. I will bow out before I make that decision. Or I will wait until my kids are older and then join. But I could not leave my kids. And so what they're able to do to disassociate, to focus on the work, to sacrifice what they've sacrificed, to give back, you'll hardly ever find a veteran that feels that it was a mistake to join. They may complain about the disability. They may complain about some things, but they'll always know that they were capable of doing it, right? It's a pride. And it gave them a lot of self-confidence and self-esteem. And it gave them a place in the world. And it let them know that they were valuable. Because nothing else before that let them believe that about themselves. Mind you, the fact that I also want to join the military, all of this resonates with me personally too. And anyone else who's ever had a feeling of like, I've always wanted to just know if I could do it, just go through it and maybe not serve, (laughs) maybe not ever have to go and be deployed. But I want to know, you know, could I do this? Am I physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally capable of doing this just to prove it to myself? Like, I would love to. I would love to. Sign me up tomorrow. I don't want to get deployed and leave my kids though. There's definitely a lot of that. So I just want to give one big last thank you to all of our veterans. And I'm going to leave us with some quotes. I found some quotes on one of my favorite websites to say thank you to America's greatest patriots. So if you're maybe wanting to write cards for Operation Gratitude, here are some quotes you can maybe put on some cards to send out. This one's by G.K. Chesterton. And it says, the true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him but because he loves what is behind him. This one's from Dan Lipinski. On this Veterans Day, let us remember the service of our veterans and let us renew our national promise to fulfill our sacred obligations to our veterans and their families who have sacrificed so much so that we can live free. Douglas MacArthur, duty, honor, country. Those three hollowed words reverently dictate what you ought to be, what you can be, what you will be. Ronald Reagan. Some people live an entire lifetime and wonder if they have ever made a difference in the world. But the Marines don't have that problem. Love it. John F. Kennedy. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Claudia Pemberton. America without her soldiers would be like God without his angels. Nick Lampson. 
There is nothing nobler than risking your life for your country. Bob Riley, I have long believed that sacrifice is the pinnacle of patriotism. Elmer Davis, this nation will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. Minot J. Savage, the brave die never, though they sleep in dust. Their courage nerves a thousand living men. Wallace Bruce, who kept the faith and fought the fight, the glory theirs, the duty ours. Thomas Campbell, the patriot's blood is the seed of freedom's tree. Winston Churchill, never was so much owed by so many to Sophia. Herbert Hoover, here men endured that a nation might live. This one actually is unknown and it says, we don't know them all, but we owe them all. Henry Ward Beecher, those that die for a good cause, hover as a cloud of witnesses over the nation. George S. Patton Jr., the highest obligation and privilege of citizenship is that of bearing arms for one's country. Norman Schwarzkopf Jr., sorry if I butchered your name, it takes a hero to be one of those men who goes into battle. And Joseph Campbell, a hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. So to all of our branches, all of our beautiful heroes, I thank you with every fiber of my being. I respect the hell out of you. And we need people like you. We need people like you to help people like us, to protect people like us, to be the backbone of this country. And I feel such an obligation and a duty to provide what my skill set is to listen, to help, to validate, to help you work through the traumas that you've experienced so that everything you've gone through was not for naught, right? And that you can have received such a paved path in your life of such honor that you've earned and that you can then move forward without taking it with you, at least without taking the bad and the trauma with you. You wanted to build your resiliency and you wanted to have that character building part of you. Yes, absolutely. But to allow you to then shift that avoidant and anxious attachment to more secure, to build upon a healthy foundation and relationship with your spouse and your kids, to even with your employers, right? So that there's anger management, so that you're not closed and recluse, so that you don't implode or explode, so you don't make poor decisions or become homeless or suffer from addictions, we're here to help you. So I really do encourage you to seek out some treatment from therapy, EMDR, brain spotting, see what's out there. And normally, I'll just say this, that if it is specifically for first responders and military, they give cash rates that are a lot cheaper than the insurance rates. So the one lady I was talking about that I wanna work for as soon as I get licensed, I think she charges like $65 for a session. Normally, that would be like above 100 for someone, but the population of military and first responders don't make a ton of money. That's common, right? That's what we know. And we want you to get the help, but we also want it to be at a really affordable rate. So look for those. Look for the people who are specifically for your population because we understand it and we get it and we respect it and we will do everything that we can to make this as manageable and financially able for you as possible. 
Thank you. God bless America. Thank you to all my favorite veterans. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review and you can find me on Instagram at my.healing.village or shoot me an email at myvillageofhealing at gmail.com. See you next week.